Welcome back to the second episode of the Michigan Ross Executive Perspectives. In this episode, we will continue to discuss women in leadership with our guests, Melanie Weaver Barnett, Chief Executive Education Officer, and Cindy Shipani, who is Professor of Business Administration at Michigan Ross. We also have with us Rita Majdi, who is a Communications and PR Director at Stellantis, and Heba Sayed, who is Strategy Leader at IBM MENA, and taking spot in the Manager's Choice Awards in the Top 40 Marketeers Under 40 in MENA. So let me now take uh, this in a different direction uh, in the second half of our podcast. So the, when I was looking, I've done my research. So I, I looked at previous years uh, uh, at the Women International uh, Days and the UN involvement and the different themes for every year. So I went back as far as 20 years. And when I looked at the one from 2019, to me, that was the most catchy one, which is think equal, build smart and innovate for change. Now, those three things, when I looked at them, I looked at them from one perspective only. And then it was uh, uh, brought up to me that, no, 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 you need to look at it from also another perspective. So it's not just from a woman. I thought that if a woman thinks and builds the confidence that there is equality, like Heba was saying, then this is going to be the step. But there's also the male side of things to think equal and to build smart and so on. So having these two perspectives, I would say complement each other and, and really your experiences would be sharing that with our audience would be quite, quite insightful. So because we are now in a, a, a very interesting session, which is we have two great women who achieved great things in the academic space, two great women who achieved successes in the corporate space. So how your views and thinking equal and building smart and innovate for change is uh, really, to me, is a triggering question. So, uh, Melanie, let me start. Then, how do you advise companies and other organizations to ensure women have these opportunities? I think it's really critical that the most senior leaders in the company take an active and um, visible role in this. And that they're well-educated on um, the science behind diversity in organizations. So Cindy mentioned several studies that have been done that show that better decisions get made, there's better performance in the workplace. Another prolific researcher at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business is Scott Page. He has done an incredible amount of research on decision-making and outcomes, especially in complex situations. And over and over and over again, it gets proven out that the more diverse set of opinions you have, the better decisions you make, the better outcomes you have. So what's really critical, I think, is that um, company leaders are educated on not just the importance of doing this, achieving equity in the workplace because it's the right thing to do, also because it is the best thing to do if you want great performance. So that's important. And we do a lot of work in that realm at the University of Michigan. And then putting, you know, taking time to craft goals, to craft a plan for achieving those goals, and then to put that into action with a lot of role modeling from the most senior people in the organization and on down. And as with any kind of change initiative, 
um, embedding it then in the regular systems and processes of your organization. If equity for women in the workplace is gender equity is important, then make it part of people's performance evaluations. Um, if if that's going to be important to you, make it a regular part of your conversations in meetings. How are we doing? Where you know how? Let's measure um, our as as Cindy mentioned. Uh, let's do a pay equity audit and see where we are, and let's track that and make sure we're improving. So, a um, lot of uh, support at the top, a lot of role modeling, practical execution with initiatives, and then embedding it in the systems and processes of the organization, I think are some of the key components. Okay, so uh, Cindy, from the same perspective, uh, what are your thoughts on what uh, Melanie had mentioned? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Melanie on, on all aspects. And I, and I would add, uh, giving uh, everybody a voice in the workplace. We find that when workers feel that they aren't heard, then, then things are, they don't speak up because they're not, they're futile, right? So in order to make change, you need to be able to have space to be heard. So the leadership needs to be listening, um, asking questions and, and acting on them. That too often in some of the, well, the cases that we've seen in the United States with sexual harassment, it's been a real problem because women tend to, rather than speak up, often will just leave rather than dealing with the issue. And then they don't speak up because they believe it will be either futile or they'll lose their jobs over it. So then we can't get to change. So organizations, I think, need to be much more open to voices and um, hearing those things. We also see so often that, um, you know, that, that women tend to get berated more when they do speak up. So there, there's this double-edged sword, the, you know, this double bind that women kind of get stuck in. For instance, the, the, on one hand, women tend not to negotiate as hard for their salaries. On the other hand, those that do, there's backlash. There's this uh, notion in the literature called the women are wonderful effect. And there's an expectation that we will be wonderful and that we will fit gender norms. Um, but if we fit gender norms, those aren't leadership norms. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a, a, a real backlash. So I think making sure that business is aware of all this, that business opens up for, for voice and recognizes um, these types of things that uh, women are dealing with. Yeah, Melanie? You know, um, I thought something that Fita said was really important here, too, in terms of what you do in the, in the company. Fita, you talked about addressing it at an individual level, and that's not something that any of the others of us have said, and that really stuck out to me, and um, I think it'd be really interesting to hear more about, about that and the sort of internal and external PR that you talked about. Thank you, Melanie, for, um, for your comment. I think that... Um, Melanie and Cindy have said it all. It's just like intrinsically, we have to go into the the details of our daily um, daily steps towards a better future for inclusion and diversity. And even with inclusion, and as a woman, you need to have an internal strategy. As most large corporations can be very resistant to changes due to systematic inequities or the elephant in the room, for example, invisible barriers, unspoken barriers or unconscious biases that we 
face on a daily basis or my counterpart face, face on a daily basis. I think that for thinking equal or building smart, corporations obviously have a responsibility, as you rightly said, but we do have one individually as well, internally, on a one-to-one -one basis towards our, Cindy, you said it, towards our male and female peers. I'm on a coaching program in France for young uh, students that are about to leave university. And uh, one of the questions that were asked, would you like to mentor uh, women or men? And I said, both, because these people are going to shape our future in like 10 years that they're going to be the leaders of corporations that we've led in the past. So I try, and again, uh, I'll come back to that later, Jay, but for this, you need a strategy. You need to, it's like a chess game. You need to move in a way that you don't um, shake the system, but you shake it at the same time. And you have to shake it strategically because the person in front of you might not speak the same vocabulary, might not speak the same, and might not just simply have the same vision as you. I, on a daily basis, because my stakeholders can go from higher management to journalists to um, petrol heads to Formula One drivers, etc., might not have the same vision. And they say, and to be honest, I still hear it, that a woman have no place in a leadership position because she's expected naturally to do something else. So you have to adapt your speech at that point. You cannot just tell this person or this audience, but you're totally wrong. Women have their place in leadership. You have to adjust your speech and you have to adjust the orientation of your message to be able to come across as somebody credible. So in that sense, I think that this stroke me more than the other, build smart. You have to involve the stakeholder in your conversation and make them speak the same language as you before delivering your message. This is a very challenging task, honestly. Um, having been an executive in a technology company, and we had these criteria. So we had these KPIs that you need to have diversity, you need to have this and this. So, but at the end, the challenge was in having that propagate through the organization. Because at the end, like you said, if it is about the individual level, because if you turn it into a list that you need to check, then a lot of the managers are going to end up doing the check mark without having the real equality, the real building smart. So this is whole thing. This is why I was thinking build smart, innovate for change. Those will not happen if you just have a check mark. So it's more about how do you get that to propagate? So this is to me, it, it was a challenge that I, I personally could not overcome and I, I didn't know how to handle. So uh, maybe Heba, from your view, did you see something similar in terms of that issue, like there is an initiative. So what Cindy and Melanie were saying, you guys need to drive it at the leadership level. You need to uh, uh, be the role model. You need to embed it in your processes. But once these are checkmarked, do you, did you see it work? I think they certainly, I mean, it works, right? Uh, to some extent. So definitely, I mean, the tech industry today is in a much better position than it was a few years back, right? But is it fast enough? No, I was just reading a, a study that it will, it's gonna take 99 years to achieve gender parity. <laughs> this is terrifying. Uh, you know, I, I have a daughter who's 10 and sometimes I think, you know, when she's 12 and then when I think, you know, it's her time, she's, it's gonna be gender parity. So just to think that it's gonna be probably her granddaughter 
that's hopefully going to reap the benefits of everything that we're doing. But it's really, really scary, yeah? So it is working, not fast enough. Um, uh, lots of issues, as you said, lots of, uh, and, and I'm very biased, right, to being here in the region. So I've only worked in, in the Middle East and Africa region in my home country in Egypt and here in Dubai. So on, on top of, of the, you know, universal challenges, you do have the local uh, you know, point of view, which is even probably more complex on both sides of the story, right? So, so you have men, you know, like Gita said, who are like really um, consciously and sometimes unconsciously, right? And, you know, sometimes it comes with the best intentions. Yeah. So I remember earlier in my career, you know, when there were big meetings, staying late, I was asked to go home. So, you know, it really comes out of this very, you know, fatherly and, you know, very brotherly and fatherly uh, tendencies, yeah, that, you know, men in the region tend to have towards women, uh, which are very, very appreciated, but probably maybe not so much in the workplace, right? So um, there, there are definitely a lot to, to, to overcome. And on the other hand as well, right, let's not talk only about men, let's talk about you know, women, you know, I, I, I go into these meetings and they're women and they're executives and I don't see the women speaking as, as, as often. It, it, it just happens and, uh, you know, a lot. And some of them are really, really, you know, strong and talented um, uh, women who, who can contribute. But I do see men, you know, repeatedly taking these opportunities, but also women letting men, you know, have that biggest share of the voice and talking and um, I think, you know, Sandy, you said something about listening, really listening. And, and I think it's, uh, it's about uh, maybe not one platform, right? So maybe I, I find that women, for example, tend to talk more on a one-to-one, -one, right? So they always come later and they talk one-to-one -to, -one to the person, but in really big meetings, they don't talk as much or at least regionally. That's what I see. So really understanding how women want to be heard as well and how they want to contribute and how they want their, their you know, ideas to be taken into consideration and in, in just designing our work around allowing that versus you know designing the way we work around allowing only people with the loudest voices which could be men or women but tends to be more men in my opinion to to really influence what's happening and influence the agenda and influence the discussions so i, I think it's it's a lot and i a lot of it is about understanding that not what happens in one organization fits another. So that's what I see, right? You see universal policies, you see universal programs and things which might not work uh, in different countries, different companies, different environments, different you know roles and so on and so forth. So I think definitely uh, it needs adaptation. It needs to come from the culture, right? And, and then really understanding what's happening and combating it versus you know, finding this universal that you should do this, you should do that, which might not really make the impact that it needs to. I mean, this, uh, honestly, this topic is like uh, an onion with so many layers that requires so much time to take a look at each layer on its own and, and really deep dive on it. But uh, the one thing uh, you mentioned, which is correct, in, in a way, uh, these are not universal statements we're making. So there are women in really strong leadership positions. They are confident. They are driving things, uh, both political as well as the private sector. But really what we want to drive is towards standardization, uh, towards where all women feel comfortable that if this is what I'm capable to do, then this is what I should be doing. So to, re to go from some case studies of success to no more thinking about it from a uh, issue perspective, but it becomes more of a natural thing. That's a very long transition that, that that's going to take place. 
Now, honestly, th this topic can take another hour. I mean, I have more questions that can take another hour, but unfortunately we have to wrap up. But I want to wrap up with uh, your final thoughts uh, in terms of like Cindy and Melanie, uh, you are senior women in a leadership position. And Cindy, you mentioned senior women mentoring junior men. So, but I, from a higher level uh, message that you want to give to Hiba's daughter, for example, what would you tell her as the next generation coming up in terms of uh, women equality? Yeah, so referring to the study that, uh, that HEPA referred to from the um, World Economic Forum on it going to take 100 years before we get parity, my first recommendation is to Gen Z, you got to pick up the pace. <laughs> you know, we, we, can't, we can't let it take that long. So seek out mentors. Um, take advantage of those networking opportunities that come to you organically. Seek them out, build your own networks, figure out what might work for you. I'd say use your voice, call out injustice, seek the allies who can uh, amplify your voice. Most of all, you know, do the terrific work that you can do. Uh, recognize if barriers are impeding your progress. If that happens though, don't second guess yourself, but seek to break down the barriers. It's too often that we might step back when something, uh, something's not going right. Um, there, there are studies that show that, for instance, men tend to apply for positions when they're about 60% sure that they've met the qualifications. So they hit about 60% of the stated qualifications. Women won't imply until they meet 100%. It's just the way that, that tends to be. Change that, you know, uh, start, start paying attention to those things and, and uh, move forward from that. So that, that would be my advice. Very good point. Very good point. Melanie? Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to just say a few final words again about, you know, the, the larger changes in the corporate environment that need to happen and how they can happen. So I think what's needed is clearly a significant change in mindset and understanding of these issues. That's going to take a combination of education and that education, that learning takes place in a number of different forms, right? It can be formal uh, training like we do at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. It can be um, through experiential learning and so on. But education so that people, men and women, begin to more deeply and in a more nuanced way understand the issues at play here, the outcomes that they're looking for, and the roles that they currently play in creating the, the current situation, and how they can change it, as we've been talking about today. And the other piece of the puzzle that is really critical is that all of that education and that training, at least in the formal sense, should be evidence-based. So we need continued research on uh, gender equity and, and diversity and inclusion in the workplace so that we know what will work to move the needle and then we can create our plans and hold ourselves accountable accordingly. So uh, Heba, just a quick question. Are you satisfied with what you have achieved or do you still feel there is more uh, to do? Uh, both, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's it's ups and downs. I mean, it's, it's a very personal question, right? So I, I get to say what I want, right? So uh, it's, it's yeah. a, a for, yeah, so for me, it's always ups and downs. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, 
yeah, that's great. I've been so far, but then I think, you know, I could have done more. I could have pushed myself. I could have, you know, expanded my career otherwise. And, you know, it's, it's always this day. And then there's, you know, the other day as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think I've, I've, I'm very happy. Like if I, if I went back to being my 21 year old self out of college, not knowing what I'm going to do with my life and, you know, you know, taking a look where I am now, I think I'd be happy. So sometimes for me, this is a very, um, simple and easy, uh, way to look at it and, you know, not comparing myself to what more I wanted and, and, and so on, but, uh, definitely more, more to go. Uh, and I, and I do consider, I always consider myself, uh, just starting, uh, always just starting, always just starting a new job, always just starting a new mission. Um, and I try to keep that feeling. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a, just a great feeling. And I don't want to ever feel that, you know, I made it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a long way to go. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, if you're 21 year old out of college, you're not the only one who doesn't know what to do with your life. Something Haba said really stuck with me as a, like a, a great quote and piece of advice that we could share with this upcoming generation. She said, um, it was important to do something that makes me feel sick in my stomach. Right. And that was, I think around the idea that it fills me with so much anxiety because I don't really think I can do it but stepping up and doing it anyway, that's a, a wonderful yeah. piece. Actually, this is the uh, individual or the person's version of Amazon's, uh, uh, I would say it's Amazon's vision of, it's always day one at Amazon. So, so that day two, you get complacent and day three, you accept all the negatives with the positives. So to stay in day one is to keep, when you have the drive, the motivation, the energy to continue uh, making those changes. So yes, I like that. So uh, Rita, in, in, then you mentioned that uh, there are amazing women who, were, who had a great influence on you. Is there one you can think of and what kind of influence or impact she had on your life? Oh, Jay, this is a very complex question because I have so many of them. They're all around me. They're, they've been uh, in TV shows. They've been in politics. They've been in my school. Um, I, the first person I think of is my uh, French teacher, literature teacher. Uh, I mean, if you want like famous names, there are no, so no many around names. us. But, it doesn't have to be famous. No, but, uh, it doesn't have to be names. Just how did it change you? It changed, it started with my mother, to be honest, if you want to go that, down that line. <laughs> um, my mother was a very, is a very um, uh, active in, in, uh, in her, in her in entourage and, and the people around her. She's always, uh, she's always thought that uh, one woman were more than just being housewives or, um, you know, like this societal role that uh, society sadly has given them long time ago. So she's um, she's she's contributed greatly to the to the person I I am today. Um, and my father as well, actually. Uh, my father contributed. He always thought that uh, I would, <laughs> you know, be an ambassador just like him, or contribute to politics, or uh, have a have a bigger role in society. But if you allow me, Jay, I'm just going to come back to something very important uh, that my peers said today. You've asked for an advice of, of how to overcome certain struggles. 
There is something I always say to those uh, students I coach uh, at university, and actually it's a piece of advice to myself when I was younger, and I wish somebody told me that. Deeply ingrained societal expectations tend to associate leadership competence with what can traditionally be considered more like masculine traits, such as dominance, ambition, and sometimes aggressiveness. And on the other hand, uh, women are traditionally expected to be warm, empathic, and communally oriented. It can be really draining. And I think the key to balance both is to stay attentive to these expectations and factor your own style. Even if it seems unfair that these expectations apply less to male counterparts, but most importantly, the best advice I've given to those uh, to those university students is stay authentic to yourself. You don't have to shell, you don't have to create another personality, especially for women in male dominated industry, they tend to become closer to those masculine attributes because they think that this is how their voice is gonna be heard or um, they're gonna be taken seriously. And it's absolutely not the reality. You can be true to yourself, authentic, you can be kind and firm, in, in such industry to be heard and you don't have to shell yourself because I personally paid the price for that. And I'm gonna end up there because uh, I think I said too much already. No, I think that we could have listened more if you had more to say. But uh, again, I think we're running out of time, but uh, uh, there are four, more, four main points that uh, were quite insightful for, uh, that uh, you guys brought up. So the first one is in terms of building networks, it's not just about uh, external networks, but it's also internal networks. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is people that are outside of your organization, outside of your comfort zone, and then there are those who are inside of your circle and your comfort zone. The second one is not making yourself aware and have the confidence to speak out. I think that has a very strong element in building up that capability to get the train on the right track. Uh, the uh, what I like what you've mentioned is factor in your own style. Uh, this is part of that confidence because if you try to fake who you're not, it, it doesn't come out right and it won't work. So doing that, factoring in your own style with the confidence and not making yourself aware, all these are uh, really good personal uh, guidances that they can take. Education, I would say to me, if it gets introduced, not just at the executive education or the university level, but if these concepts start to get introduced at the primary level, then you're gonna have both uh, boys and girls growing up with that in their mind when they become men and women. So I've never, I don't ever remember uh, getting a session, not even a one lecture about equality uh, at school when I was in primary or middle school. So why isn't that the case? That can help a lot. So. To extend what Melanie said about education, I would say if we take it from the beginning all the way to the end at the corporate level, uh, that would have a major impact. And changing in and changing the corporate corporate governance. Uh, so all of these would be really strong elements that drive towards equality and full participation. So uh, honestly, this was a very insightful uh, session, and uh, I feel pleasure and. A privilege that you guys have shared all these insights with our audience and I'm sure they're going to see it as beneficial as I did. So uh, with that I wrap up. Melanie, Cindy, Rita and Hiba, I really thank you and uh, again hope to see you soon. Uh, stay tuned for our next session next time. Thank you.